Jesus, my one desire tonight is that you would make much of yourself in this place. That you would show up and show out, God, that you would reveal yourself in all of your glory to us tonight. God, I thank you that when we encounter you, we never leave the same again. So I'm asking that tonight you would meet us in this place. That you would take away every distraction in Jesus' name. And God, that you would move tonight. That you would get me out of the way, Father. That you would hide me in the shadow of the cross. God, tonight we wait expectantly. Give us ears to hear what you're saying tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, We're talking tonight about authority. And uh, authority is kind of a buzzword uh, in today's society, especially with young people, because as soon as I say authority, some of y'all got uncomfortable. You start squirming, you're like, I ain't trying to hear nothing. I do me, you do you. You can't tell me nothing I don't know. And um, I know this because I work with middle schoolers and high schoolers. I'm a teacher. And uh, I'm a first-year teacher, which means I basically cry every day and have no idea what I'm doing. And uh, my prayer life has greatly increased. But before that, I worked for 11 years at a nonprofit working with kids off the street. And anytime there was a situation, anytime there was a boundary broken or a rule broken, the conversation went like this. You can't tell me nothing. And so authority is a buzzword because we all have our own idea of what the agenda is, of what the absolute standard of truth is right so if you ask adults about tattoos some are going to say it's cool it's okay and some are going to be like that's of the devil (laughs) right and so depending on what your standard of truth is determines how you live your life and the decisions that you make but we're looking tonight at something that is very um very key for your age and for your life. And I know that most of you here tonight are here because there's crawfish and your friends and it's just a chance to hang out. Frankly, if we're being really honest, we could care less about God or what he has to say. And that's okay. I'm glad you're here. And some of you tonight, uh, you want to hear from God. And so I believe that the word that God is going to speak tonight is going to challenge you. But before we dig in, I, I looked up the definition of authority, of authority, and it says this. Power to influence or command thought, opinion, or behavior. Power to influence or command thought, opinion, or behavior. Luke ten nineteen says this. Jesus was talking to the 72, and he sent the 72 out to do his work and to walk the earth and to represent him. And so the 72 came back. And it says this in Luke 10, 19. Behold, this is Jesus talking. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. So what's the point? Like, is this snake stomping ground, right? At a crawfish festival, I wouldn't be surprised if Mr. Larry pulled out some snakes and told us to step on them. I don't know. Y'all kind of do things different up here than where I'm from. Uh, But that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about something 
deeper and greater. See, it's not so much about snakes that crawl on the earth and we're like snake whispers. It's about the enemy that prowls around on the face of the earth seeking someone to devour. See, there's an enemy of your soul and my soul and it's the devil and he hates you and he hates me and he hates his place and he hates BCG and he hates the Owens family and he hates Kenny and his family. And he's always working and working overtime trying to jack things up. If y'all knew what went into one of these events, man, because he hates us. He hates the name of Jesus lifted high. He hates Tanner and Moses. It's not Moses, but it's Moses right now. He hates Tanner and Moses up here leading us in worship because he knows that that shifts things. See, it's about authority over the enemy of your soul. But my greatest fear for your generation is that you're going to miss out. Because here's the thing about authority. You can't operate in what you can't respect. You can't operate in what you can't respect. The power of choice. Every single day you and I make thousands of choices. Did you know that? When was the last time you thought about the choice you made? I had to decide today if I was going to wear black shirt one, black shirt two, or black shirt three. That's what I packed for my trip. It was an easy choice. I wore this one every single time. I've worn this shirt for four years, praise the Lord. It's faded. It's not black anymore, but by golly, it is my favorite shirt. I had to make a choice if I was going to eat crawfish or not. Let me tell you, it was real easy. Heck to the no. No way. Everyday choices, thousands of them. Larry has been saying on his story every day, today is going to be the best day ever. Isn't that annoying when you're having a bad day? Like, ugh, Larry, with a Sonic Cup, going to be the best day ever. You're like, going to be the worst day ever, thank you. <laughs> um, but see, it's perspective. And oftentimes, how you and I look at something, is, it shapes our attitude, but it shapes our decisions. Right? So check this. A lot of you tonight don't believe that worship is important. Right? Let's do a test. You ready? Do you trust me? You're like, no. I'm asking you to. Everyone close your eyes. Ready? I'm going to ask you a question. If this question applies to you, just raise your hand. Nobody's looking but me. Okay? You ready? If you could care less about worship and don't think that it matters that we do that and we could do without the singing, raise your hand real quick. Seriously? Okay, open your eyes. So you've proven me wrong. Fair enough. We make choices every day. And those choices that you make say a lot about what you believe. We're going to look tonight at 1 Kings. I'm going to ask us this, these questions. Are you living your best life? Are you living fully in who God has created you to be? Or is your life blah, mediocre? What does it look like when we live with and under authority? Y'all ready? Hello? Anyone? Okay. Fantastic. The crawfish are talking to me. Here we go. 
We're going to read in 1 Kings 18 tonight, but I need to fill you in. There's this dude named Elijah. He was a prophet of God. Everyone say, what's up, Elijah? There was a guy, bad dude, by the name of Ahab. He was an evil king. Everyone say, what's up, Ahab? And there was a guy by the name of Obadiah. And Obadiah was one of Ahab's officials. Now, was Ahab good or bad? And he was a king, right? And Elijah was a blank of God. Did I hear spam? Man, oh, man of God. I was like, what's a spam of God? Okay, man of God. Elijah was a man of God. So you've got the evil king Ahab. You've got Obadiah, who's one of the king's officials. And you've got Elijah, who is a prophet of God. Now, um, that's the backstory. And there's been a famine and a drought for three years because prophets of God are actually messengers. So God, God is like, hey, Elijah. And then Elijah's like, hey, guys, uh, I tell you today, there's not going to be rain on this land for three years. And then like umbrella sales stop because <laughs> there's no rain. All right. So let's go to First Kings 18. Turn there with me. Huh? Just kidding. I know you don't have your Bible. First uh, Kings 18. We're going to pick up in verse 17. It says this. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, oh, time out. I didn't tell you one key thing. There's a bounty on Elijah's head because there's a drought. Remember, there's a drought and famine. So King Ahab is ticked off. And he's like, yo, whoever finds Elijah and turns him in dead wins a lot of money. Right. So everyone's like looking for Elijah. All right. Minor detail. All right. We're picking up in verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered and said, I have not troubled Israel, but you have in your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Baal was a false god that they would worship. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And Jezebel was King Ahab's wife, and she was like wacky, wicked. Don't don't mess with her. You know what I'm saying? Ever say bye, Jezebel. Bye, Jezebel. I need y'all to help me out tonight, but okay. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bowls be given to us and let them choose one bowl for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you, you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. Translation, they're having show and tell man style. Y'all remember show and tell back in the day? Kindergarten, right? Like Friday, it was like, bring something fuzzy, bring something blue. You know, and I was like, awesome. Like, we got to bring cool stuff, right? So you got two grown men here, one an evil king, one a prophet of God. And they're about to have show and tell on a mountainside. But with like 950 people, that's pretty cool. So we pick up there. And all the people answered, it is well spoken, fine. 
Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bowl and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. Translation, it's 950 verses 1. You guys go first. Prepare your bowl. Don't light it with fire yet. Okay? And they took the bowl that was given them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer this. Answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And I knew Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is perhaps relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Elijah just straight clowning on them. It's hilarious. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar as great as would contain two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bowl in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. Can wet wood burn? Well, it can under the right circumstances. But uh, Mr. Kenny, when he started the fire tonight, he didn't douse water on the a, on a wood, right? Because you can't start a fire with wet wood. So why is Elijah doing this? Why, why, why is he? Isn't the, aren't the odds already stacked against him enough, right? You got 950 versus one. No one was with Elijah. No BFF, no buddy, no cousin. There, there was no even grandma there. Like, oh, you're such a good boy, Elijah. I'm so proud of you. Like, just straight up Elijah. Like, man, Elijah, aren't the odds against you enough? Like, calm down. Four jars of water. Then it says this. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. We're almost done. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. 
How long had it been without rain? Three years. Three years. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And then a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Now catch this, you ready? I think this is one of the dopest verses in all of scripture. It says this, And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. He ran ahead of the chariot. <laughs> Dude was lit up. Check that out, Gatorade Nike. You should be sponsoring Elijah, man. After this epic showdown, this epic show and tell between two men, says that the Spirit of God, the hand of God was upon Elijah, and he gathered up his garment, laced up his little, what do y'all call them, jandals, the leather sandals that look like Jesus' sandals, jandals. And it says that he ran ahead. Of the chariot. You think King Ahab went slow? <laughs> Was this some sort of cross country training? Good job, Elijah. Keep it up. You can do it. That's fascinating, right? That's mind blowing. Like, think about that and the next time you're at your track meet. I guarantee you'll set a personal record. All right, we've got a serious showdown between two grown men, the ultimate show and tell. Answering the question Who is God? Is it God? Or is it Baal? Ahab and his people did things their way, which included false gods and idols. Elijah did things God's way. They're on a mountain with King Ahab and his 950 prophets versus Elijah. Party of one. There's five takeaways from this tonight. Number one, you cannot operate in what you do not respect. You cannot operate in what you do not respect. I want to read verse 21 says this, And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. I believe that tonight some of you, God is asking you the same thing. How long are you going to keep riding the fence? How long are you going to keep limping back and forth, one foot, one foot on that side, one foot in the, in the world's side? Because you're cool with God as long as Mr. Larry's around encouraging you, right? You're cool with God on Wednesday nights because we have BCG Youth and on Bonfire Nights because we all here and we're chill and we're cool and we're worshiping God. But how are you living your life? Who are you representing on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Sunday when no one's watching? And and you know what happens? It says that the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Elijah walked confidently before God and before man because he was doing things the right way. But when you're indecisive, when one day you follow God and the next day you don't because you're sick and tired of whatever people make in front of you or whatever's going on at home, you, you limping around. And God tonight is saying, how long are you going to keep doing this? How long will you be indecisive? Some of you here keep limping around between your gods. 
your boyfriends, your girlfriends, you're doing things with them you would never do. That's a guy, that's a false idol. You need to break up. You need to quit playing. And I'm playing with you either. I know what young people do. I know the compromises you make. Quit playing. That's a false God. That's an idol. And God's saying, how long are you going to keep playing games? Some of you, your, your gods and your idols are your phones. Your pet sins. We all have them. It's my favorite thing. Nobody knows. Nobody has to know. Oh, crap. Because God knows. Your social statuses. What people think of you. Some of you think so highly about what everyone else thinks about you that you can't even hear the truth about what God says about you. Because God can't slide into your DMs. God can't like or comment on your Finsta or your Insta or your Snapchat streaks. And you're so worried and consumed and weighed down and concerned about what everyone else says about you. That there is no room or space for what God Almighty says about you. And it would blow your mind if you actually knew the truth about what God thinks about you. He says that you're good and pure and lovely and perfect just the way you are. And it says that he can't get his mind off of you. It says that he sees when you wake up and he sees when you go to bed. And it's not because he's a creep God, it's because he loves you. And some of us, we're chasing so hard after this false love, this imitation love. And that's why you're not satisfied. Nobody will ever love you like Jesus. Nobody will ever give up their life for you like Jesus. No one's ever going to step in and say, oh man, I'm going to take Tara's punishment because I love her. Nobody. But there is no space for this because you're so addicted to what everyone else thinks about you. It's an idol. It's a false God. You want God's blessing and his help and his favor, but not his rules. Not his boundaries. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 30. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Are you with God or against him? See, you can't operate in what you can't respect or what you don't respect. God's not going to just be free with his authority. He doesn't just trust everyone. Trust is earned. You want to do big things with God, for God? You, you want to change the world? You want to be a history maker for Jesus? You want to be the next Larry Owens? You better get yourself right and purify your life. And cut out people and things that don't need to be in your life. God don't play around. You might be able to outsmart Larry or your parents. You will never outsmart God. Ever. God will not just give you authority because you show up at BCG. God gives to the ones whom he trusts. You can't hide your stuff from God. Point number two. Having something and acting in it are two different Things. Hebrews 11.6 says this. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
It also says somewhere between Genesis and Revelation that your faith without works is dead. See, you can have faith all day long, but if you're not doing something with it, this jack is whack. I have students and we pray every day before class. I teach at a private school. And this is typically how the prayers go. You ready? Dear God, um, thank you for today. And please help our track meet today. And um, help everyone have a good day. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. I think God cares about track meets. Obviously, he cares about how people run because he hooked up Elijah with like super speed. Right? But guys, do you realize what you have access to? Why is our prayer so puny, wimpy, shallow? Like, help us have a good day, really? Man, why don't we pray prayers like this? God, I know you can do anything, so I'm asking you to help me stop loving pornography. God, would you help my parents? Because frankly, I'm tired of them fighting. Would you heal them and heal their marriage and help them? God, would you help me to see other people like you see them because they get on my last nerve? God, would you help my friend to love you more than they love their Snapchat streaks? God, you can heal people. Would you heal my grandma of her cancer? God, would you increase my faith? Would you help me to love you more than I love me? That's what we have access to. Bold prayers. Elijah, after dousing the the bowl in wood with water, four jars of water, so much so that it says the trench around the altar filled up with water, he prayed down fire. If you and I were there, you know what we would have prayed? Dear God, please help these people leave because my pets are my, my pits are sweating and my palms are sweating and my stomach's cramping and I don't know what to do and my mom's not here. And the Wi-Fi signal's really bad. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what we would pray, right? Elijah's like, God, prove that you are God. So that these people will turn their hearts back to you and rain down fire. When was the last time you prayed for God to rain down fire? (laughs) You're like, every week I hate school. God, please let my school burn up in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't do that. But you know what I'm saying? Man, Elijah like baptized the sacrifice and then he had the nerve to pray down fire? God, would you pour out your fire on Mr. Owens today? Burn up everything in his life that's not of you. God, help so many students come to BCG that we outgrow this building and it stresses out the Owens. That would be fun. Do it, God. You can do anything. Right? You know what I call that? That's dangerous prayers. That's dangerous prayers. You and I have access to the kingdom of heaven. It would be like this. If someone gave you the car of your dreams, a fully loaded sports car with a full tank of gas and the keys and said, here you go, it's yours. Or a mansion fully loaded, like 32 rooms, in-ground pool, indoor basketball court, tennis court, whatever, you name it. Come on, we've all played Sims before, right? And they hand you the keys and they say, it's yours. 
Or they hand you a, a debit card with a pen and it's connected to an account that has a billion dollars. And they say, congratulations, it's yours. And so you get the card and you get the keys to the house and you get the keys to the car and you just sit there. That's what faith is without works. You have access to the kingdom of heaven. Ask, believe, and receive. Point number three, your best life will only be lived when you are fully surrendered to God and under his authority. Elijah's life was incredible, full of highs and lows. He saw the power of God. He was fed by ravens in the wilderness. One time he ran across this widow and he was hungry and he said, ma'am, please make me some bread and water. And she said, I can't. Well, he didn't say make me water. He said, make me some bread and bring me some water. I'm famished, right? Like I was telling Tammy earlier, man, I can't do this crawfish stuff. Like, can, can we get some pizza? Please. And the widow says this, I can't. I only have a little oil left and a little flour. And so Elijah talked to God and God's like, well, tell her this. So you know what happened? He, he told the widow and it says that she didn't run out of flour or oil for days. Like Elijah saw that with his own two eyes. It's incredible. Elijah brought a widow's son back to life. He predicted a drought that actually happened. And in verse 46, like we read, he ran really, really fast. See, your best life will only be lived when it's fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. Let me read this contrast. Ahab and his people, they prayed. See which one describes your life. Are you ready? That's option one, option two. Ahab and his people prayed and had no response. They limped around and no one paid attention. They were suffering under a terrible king. They cut themselves. They looked like fools because they lived as fools. No one heard. No one saw, no one cared. Woe is me. Does that sound like your life? Because such is the case for those who trust in anyone or anything besides the one true God. Point number four, you and I don't have to be God, but we are conduits of his power and presence. A conduit is a natural or artificial channel through which something is conveyed, a means of transmitting or distributing. What or who you are connected to is what will flow through you. In John 15, Jesus talks about how he is the vine and we are the branches. We're meant to be connected to him. We're connected to him through the reading and studying of God's word. We're connected to Jesus through worship. That's why we worship. We're connected to him through prayer and through fellowship with other believers. So who or what are you connected to? Let me give you an example. If you can quote more TikToks and memes than you can the word of God, you're connected to your phone. You are a conduit for TikTok. I mean, kind of cool, but kind of lame. Right? Yeah. Like, do you want that on your tombstone when you're dead one day? Master of TikToks. Because someday someone's going to crawl through that, or not crawl through. <laughs> well, they're going to be like, TikTok? Is that like a cousin of TikToks? I'm confused. You know what I want on my tombstone? A quote that says, and, and I'm not sure who said it, I, don't, I think it's C.T. Studd, but it says this, I hope and pray that when I die, all of hell rejoices that I am no longer in the fights. That's what I want on mine. Do you want lover of self? 
or lover of God. And don't sit up here and tell me you can't memorize scripture. Because you guys have the lyrics to hundreds of songs memorized. See, it's not that you can't, it's that you won't. It's that you're connected to the wrong thing. Who or what are you connected to? And the last point. Authority was never meant to put us on display. Authority was never meant to put us on display. Notice it was never about Elisha. At the end, it says that people fell on their faces and repented. Their hearts were turned back to who? God. See, our lives were never meant to be about us. They were never meant to put us on display. They were always meant to put Jesus on display. I'm going to close after this. You have one life to live. Thousands of choices every day. It's an incredible story about Elijah. This show and tell between King Ahab and his 950 prophets versus Elisha. And you know what? I want to be like Elijah. But I am not. If I'm being honest. I'm not like Elijah at all. And let me tell you why. Because as you get older, you kind of get calloused and jaded. When I was eight years old, that was 30 years ago. And I believed God could do anything. I truly did. Me and Jesus, we were like BFFs, man, and we were going to go change the world. But then as I got older, that kind of faded a bit. Life happened and people died and there were fights and there were broken dreams, broken hearts. And I quit praying like I did when I was a kid. I stopped believing. And you know, tonight, if I were in that story, I would want my prayer to be like Elijah's, but the reality is my prayer would probably be like this. God, would you please make these people go away? I can't today. See, I don't even think like Elijah. I don't think by faith, I think by feelings. God is a God of miracles. He said it earlier. Y'all can come on up. And uh, back in my college days, we're going to close after this. But back in my college days, I, um, I got involved with drugs and alcohol. And uh, I was basically high every single day. So much so that there is a significant period of my life in college that I don't remember. It's actually kind of embarrassing. My friends will be like, oh, Terry, you remember when this happened? I'm like, honestly, no. <laughs> I just, it's like gone. And um, I was going to college part-time. I was working full-time. And I worked at this, like, daycare at a church. I was the maintenance person. Which basically meant I took the poopy diapers out to the dumpster. Real cool. 
but I'd get high when I'd go out to the dumpster. See, I totally lost sight of who God was. Eight-year-old Tara that believed in Jesus and loved Jesus was now 20-something-year-old Tara that was jaded and hurt and broken and confused and who had frankly given up on God. I quit praying and I quit believing. And this girl, man, she was so annoying. (laughs) So annoying. She was so nice and loud and full of joy in Jesus, I guess. And every month she's like, Tara, are you going to come to the women's fellowship at my church Friday night? I'll pick you up. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to go to your women's fellowship. No, thank you. (laughs) So finally, she was so annoying. I said, you know what? I'm just going to go and she'll get off my back and I'll just get high before I go. Right? So that's what I did. I went home. I got super high. I was in my zone. And I went with her. Now, I can't tell you a thing that the people talked about that night. I have no idea. Because I was like glitched out, right? But you know what? God did something that night. <laughs> because I felt something in my heart I hadn't felt in years. And at the end, the lady goes, we'd love to pray for you. If you want prayer, feel free to come up. We'd love to pray for you. And I did the most shocking thing ever. I went forward. And the whole time I was like, Tara, sit down. What are you doing? Right? But man, I, I knew my life needed to change. That is not who I wanted to be. So the lady says, what can I pray for you about? I said, I don't know. I don't care. Being all hard, right? Being a punk. She goes, okay, let's pray. She gave me one of those creepy smiles like she knows what's going on, right? And I'm like, avoid eye contact, avoid eye contact. So she prays for me. Now, i got to tell you something. Up until this point, I used to play piano and guitar. And I quit playing because I had these warts real bad all over my hands. And it wasn't just like one or two warts. It looked... Like, I'm not trying to be funny, but it looked like cauliflower on my hands. And I was embarrassed. I couldn't afford to go to the doctor. I didn't have health insurance. And people always noticed. They'd be like, man, what's up with your hands? And it was all over my hands and it was all over my feet. So I couldn't wear sandals because I was embarrassed, right? Like, I was scared people were going to make fun of me. And so I always had my hands in my pockets and I didn't show anyone. So I go forward for prayer, right? I don't even know what she prays for. Guys, I go home and you know what happened? I was instantly healed of the warts on my hands and my feet. Like I could show you my hands today and my feet. And it was so miraculous. I went home and my sister said, oh, sis, good. You finally went to the doctor. I was like, "Uh, no, that's actually not what happened. Now, did I ask for God to heal me? No. Did I ask for God to deliver me from the chains of addiction to drugs and alcohol? No. Did I ask God to prove himself faithful and who he was? No. But see, in the middle of my mess, God showed up. And that's who he is. That's who he is for me. That's who he is for you. And you're going to miss out if you don't tap into that. He's a God of miracles. He's a God of the impossible. I I could tell you countless stories of crazy things that I've seen God do with my own two eyes. But honestly, I still struggle to pray big prayers. Because what if God doesn't answer? What if he doesn't do it how I think he should do it? Does that mean that he failed or he didn't hear my prayer? No, it means that he is God and you and I are not. And we just have to rest 
and trust in that. He's a God who rains down fire from heaven. He's a God who sets people free. He's a God who instantly heals people. But what will he be in your life? He will only stop being God in your life when you refuse to surrender and submit to his authority. But when you choose to surrender and submit to his authority, he gives you his authority. And he says, now Tara, go and do the same. You go pray bold prayers. You go lay your hands on the sick. You go pray for for dead people. You go pray for marriages to be restored. And that's what history makers and world changers do. But it's up to you. Remember the choice thing? The everyday choice? Yeah, it's up to you. He's an unchanging God. Are you respecting and honoring the authority of God? Are you living by faith, doing something with what you know? Are you fully surrendered to God and under his authority? What or who are you connected to and what are you transmitting? And last, is Jesus Christ on display in your life or are you? God, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for what you're doing in this place and in these hearts. And and Holy Spirit, we just invite you to move in this place tonight. God, for those who have never fully surrendered to you, Jesus, and trusted in you as Lord and Savior of their life and repented of their sins, God, I pray that tonight would be the night of salvation for them, God. That you would break the chains that have them bound, God, those who are addicted to to drugs or vaping or alcohol or pornography or themselves or their phones or their social statuses, God. Break the chains tonight in Jesus' name, God. Put yourself on display tonight, God. Show us that you are God and we are not. God, rain down fire from heaven if you want to. Do whatever you have to do, God. To put yourself on display and to turn the hearts of us back to you, God. We need you. We're desperate for you in Jesus' name. Amen.